for us to think about the perspectives that we come from um, and to truly open our hearts and minds to the perspectives that others hold. I think if we all approach life in that way, we'd be a much stronger society. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we've got a special episode live on location in Park City, Utah at the GoBundance event. I am honored to share with you our guest today. His name is Dr. Andrew McIntosh, and he is the Vice President of Curriculum at RISE. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him. He leads the translation of RISE's mission to educate and empower the sports community into programs of varying audience of context towards the end of promoting social justice. He's done so many fantastic things. Before RISE, he worked at Michigan State University's Institute of Study of Youth Sport as a research and teaching assistant. He also spent time working in Detroit, assisting with the development of evaluation systems for youth sports programs with the design and facilitation of training programs for coaches and mentors. He is passionate about understanding and enhancing the role that coaches can play as mentors for the youth with whom they engage. Andrew, this is going to be a great discussion. Welcome to The Daily Helping. Wonderful to have you here. Yes, yeah, a pleasure to be here, Dr. Richard. I'm really, really excited. So tell me about Rise first, and I usually do this in a different order, but I want to set the context of what your organization is doing, and then I want to Absolutely. take a step back okay. and talk about your journey okay. and your passion. So tell us about RISE. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So RISE is a, a national nonprofit. Uh, we work across from lit, little leagues, middle school age, all the way up to the professional leagues, the NFL, NASCAR, et cetera. I'm um, really educating and empowering athletes and sports fans, coaches, staff of all levels to really tackle racism, right? Our, our goal, our vision is a world where racism does not exist, a world where discrimination does not exist. Um, and that is a bold vision, but we believe that sport is the best place and perhaps one of the best vehicles to really begin to address that. You know, it's interesting when you think about it, and I know you went to Michigan State, I did too, which makes this more of a fun interview. Michigan State was the first university to integrate football. It was. It and, was. And you know, that's so exciting. But really, you see in sports, there's so much solidarity within the teams, within the athletes, ending racism towards social equity. So it makes sense yeah. to start there. So talk to us about the work that you guys are specifically doing towards that end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we are really focused on programming and, and educational programming. 
Uh, so we have developed a, a ton of curriculum, a ton of modules. What we do is experiential. Um, and we guide and facilitate conversations with, like I said, you know, folks of, of all ages. So, you know, we work with youth serving organizations like high schools, high school teams, boys and girls clubs, YMCAs. Um, but we also work NASCAR. We work with folks at the NFL. We work with the NBA um, and Under Armour to put on programming across the country, really guiding people to educate them about the concepts, but help them to have these hard conversations. Because I think a lot of the times the conversations around diversity, equity, and inclusion get, you know, they spiral downwards. People get emotional and they get passionate and then, you know, they aren't moving forward. Um, so our goal is really, how can we provide a facilitated discussion that allows people to understand multiple perspectives, that allows people to respectfully engage in the subject matter and to move forward as, as a community, right? We, we typically start with conversations around identity and how you identify, but we end with leadership, inclusive leadership and community building. Because for us, that is, that is the goal. The goal is for us to be a unified community and society where all of us can be valued. And talk to us a little bit. So the, the organization is how many years old? It's, it's young. Um, it would be seven years old. Seven years year. old? That, yep. is, that is young yeah, by nonprofit standards. Absolutely. And, and so your reach now, you said that you're, you're doing this everywhere. We're doing this everywhere. We're doing this everywhere. We, we've had a, about 5 million engagements, right? When we think about everything we've done across social, all the programming we've done, um, because we've really worked across the country. We've been fortunate in that the folks who are on our board are folks, you know, Roger Goodell from the NFL, Adam Silver from the NBA, Steve Phelps from NASCAR. So these are the folks who sit on our board. And so they've helped us to have some of that reach. And they've also helped us to implement impactful programming across the country as well. Um, but yeah, it is, it is about us going wider. We do have hubs though. Um, and so there are 15 areas, cities, where for us, we are trying to go deeper um, and really impact systemically and structurally uh, some of the things that are taking place from a, a race and a racism standpoint in those communities. Fantastic. And, and, and I'd like to take a bit of a deeper dive for sure. you personally. Sure. So tell us about, for you, a little bit about your journey yeah. and, and how you got to be here and, and why this is so important to you. Yeah. So I, I, I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago. That's where I'm from originally. So those of you who notice a little bit of an accent, that's, that's where it's from. And I did a lot of training and development. So I've been in training for a while. Both my parents are teachers, but I really wanted to give back to youth. You know, I'd, I'd played sport all my life, soccer, and I ran track. Um, and I was really interested in how I could reach you. And what I realized was that sport seemed to be that, that answer. You know, kids look up to coaches. They look up to athletes. And so I said, hey, if I wanted to teach leadership skills, which is what, what I was kind of interested in, sports seemed like a really good vehicle to do that. And so I started doing what's loosely called sports psychology um, as a means to teach some of that, those leadership skills. And that's what led me to Michigan State. I, I needed to do a program. I needed to, to learn more about this and understand it better. Um, and that, that led to my journey here. And then I began working in Detroit. You know, I, I came to the U.S. around 2010, 2011, where things weren't great with the, and there was a, just, a, you know, just a lot of poverty. A lot of the city was deserted at the time and boarded up. And so I was, you know, I joined Detroit PAL, which is an organization that puts on athletic programming for about 13,000 kids annually. And I was involved in helping to train their coaches and their police officers to reach out to the youth that they were doing programming with. Um, and, and Detroit PAL led me to RISE. RISE partnered with Detroit PAL to do programming in the city. 
Um, and then there was a job, a job opening to do curriculum development and programming. So um, it's really, I, I guess, you know, a, a journey where I kind of moved around a bit. But for me, it was how does sport impact society and the psychology of individuals? And that is absolutely what we're doing at Rise. Every day we are trying to use this context of sport to shift people's thinking, for them to realize that they have a role to play as community builders and for them to realize that they can be more inclusive in their everyday lives. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. Andrew, I'm curious to get your take on where we seem to be going as a society, because it appears, Mm -hmm. and there's actually more than appears, there's there's empirical research to suggest this, that we are becoming increasingly polarized Mm -hmm. as a society, that people are less willing to engage whatever side of the aisle they happen to be on. Agreed they're less willing to engage in a conversation and talk about differences. So I, I would love to hear, one, your, your take on that, and two, how do we fix that? And, and then three, mm-hmm. how is RISE specifically yeah. addressing that? Yeah, let me just kind of, I guess, corroborate some of what you're saying. There's a professor by the name of Zachary Neal. He studies networks. And one of the things that he's studied, bipartisan bills being published in Congress, um, and so he's actually tracked that there are far less bipartisan bills being sponsored now than it has been historically. So, so you're absolutely right about the division that we have. I, I think the, the challenge is people are locked into their experiences um, and what they perceive as an invalidation of their experiences or a devaluing of their experiences. So that's, that's, that, I think, is a challenge. What we do at Rise and what I think needs to be done overall is that we need to build more empathy for one another. So there are some skills, empathy. I think we need to, to have more perspective taking, recognizing that the ways in which we view the world aren't the ways that everybody else views them. We need to have more trust, more empathy, like I said before. But we also need to recognize that we are far better together than we are separate. So there's value in, in each other's contributions. Um, so one of the things we do at Rise is not just talk about the subject matter. We don't just talk about implicit bias um, and talk about privilege. Um, and talk about power that people have, but we also talk about the skills that they need. So what is empathy and how can you build it? How can you stand in somebody else's shoes and take their perspective, understand how they might view a particular thing without necessarily agreeing with them, but understand that they're viewing it differently from you. And then creating enough space to have dialogue about it and to truly feel empathy, right? Like, You know what sadness is. I know what sadness is. We might feel sad about different things, but if we both understand that each other is sad about something, then that should evoke a kind of emotional response in us. And I think that's not what's happening in society. What Rice tries to do is get 
all perspectives together to have some of those difficult conversations. And it's, it's difficult, but I think if you focus people in on the skills that they need to develop, we can have some, some pretty positive and impactful conversations. Well, again, in going back to what we talked about in the very beginning, there's very few things that unify people like sports, where Correct. you can get 20,000 people in a stadium yep. and they could be Republicans, Democrats, you know, African-American, white, whatever, but they're all cheering for their team. Correct. And, and so, again, I, I really love that the platform is designed around the one thing yeah. that everybody can agree on. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the goal, right? Coaches also have a really good relationship with the athletes. Um, they can get through to them in ways that, that others cannot. Um, that's some of the, one of the things we leverage as well. Athletes have a platform like no other, right? You know, 30 million kids will listen to what Tom Brady says. They probably wouldn't listen to, to, to you, Dr. Richard, or to me. So how do we also equip athletes with the tools to have impactful conversations in these spaces as well? I think, you know, that, that is also some of the work that we do. We educate ourselves, but we're also empowering other athletes at all levels. Again, at the collegiate level, in the professional space, to have some of these conversations and to have greater impact in their fan base too. Talk to us a bit about some of the, you're seven years old, but yep. seven years is more than enough time to gather data. Talk to us about some of the outcome measures, some of the success that you guys have seen thus far. Yeah, 96% of people who've done programming with us say that conversations about race and racism are important conversations and we need to have more of them. That for us is, is a huge metric. 91% of folks who've gone through our programming say that they would like to do more programming like this. And that, I think, speaks to the types of conversations that we have and the fact that we have people who are more willing to be engaged. Again, I think the engagement piece is something that we take for granted, but we need people who are willing to be vulnerable, who are willing to trust and empathize and listen to others. And so that has been, been truly important. And then we've also shown through our, our measurements that people are improving the knowledge and the skills that they have in this space. So they're building leadership skills. They're better able to define concepts around race, diversity, equity, inclusion. So we've done a lot of that as well. And we're doing that again, not just in middle school and high school, but also in the, in the corporate and in the professional space. I love that. And you again, a seven-year-old company, but you're growing like crazy. Talk to us about why fundraising is so important to your organization and how people can help. Yeah, so we're really trying to improve and increase programming across the country. We have, like I said, 15 hubs where we want to go deeper, but no youth-serving organization has to, 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 to do programming for us. We want to make sure that any organization that says, hey, we would like to have these conversations in our community, they don't have to think about where does that money and that funding come from. And so we really want individuals, corporations, organizations who would like to invest in our mission. Sure, it could be in specific programs, but we would like that broader investment in our mission. And again, that is our financial investment in some cases, but in some cases it has been, you know, investments of people's time, introducing us to other partners, getting other folks who are involved in the work that we're doing as well. That investment I think is important and it allows us to have conversations in North Dakota, in South Dakota, in Utah. This is my fourth trip to Utah because we've done a lot of work here with Real Salt Lake, with their academy and with their organizing. So we've been able to go across the country and do programming across the country because of these, this type of funding. We've been fortunate in, in the fact that a lot of our funding 
has come from our board. So that allows us, I guess, to keep the doors open and get things running. But for us to grow, for us to expand, for our programming to reach as many people as possible across the country, um, it, it requires investment from others. And so that, that, that's why it's important for us. Where do you see Rise in 10 years? Yeah, we, we really want to be across the country, truly a national organization that is firmly embedded in the 15 hubs that we've already established. But I think growing strongly in 15 others um, at a minimum. I think that's a vision we have for ourselves. We already work with many of the major leagues. The collaboration piece, I think, is important as well. So can we, within a hub, bring a network of organizations together, community, youth serving, professional teams, law enforcement, other civic-minded organizations, so that you have a, a, a network of, and a community of conversation and work that is self-sustaining. That, that is, that is our, our, our model and, and something that we hope to you know, establish across country. I'm curious about the law enforcement piece. Yeah. Because that is also something that's very, very hot in the media. It is. And there's people on different sides of it. So talk to us about where RISE has interacted with law enforcement and what that's been like. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a General Casey on our board of directors. Um, so he was uh, uh, head of the Army, Chief of Staff of the Army. And we've done a lot of programming like Bill and Bridges True Basketball that brings law enforcement in specifically to work with youth serving organizations. Um, and so Bill and Bridges True Basketball, and we've done it in several cities alongside Under Armour and the NBA. Um, but it is a program that brings law enforcement, let, let's say in Chicago, because we've done it in Chicago a couple of times, folks from the CPD, folks from the Pilsen Neighborhood Boys and Girls Club, coaches, and then RISE staff to, to, do, to do this work, to have this conversation. They talk about identity, they talk about implicit bias, they talk about trust, they talk about privilege, they talk about power, they talk about leadership, but they're having these conversations weekly over the course of 10 weeks. Law enforcement is in there, they're giving their perspective. Youth are in there giving their perspective as well. And these dialogues are facilitated by the coaches. And so you have a community that is willing to address and deal with some of the challenges that are taking place on the ground. Officers are getting to see youth in a different light. They recognize that youth, you know, thinking about what's happening, bothered by some of what is happening, skeptical of relationships with law enforcement in some cases. Um, and youth are seeing that law enforcement in some cases, not just the uniform, that they genuinely care. So it, 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 it opens the door for really honest conversation across the country. And like I said, it's something that the NBA has spearheaded and we've been a part of in, in many communities. So in Charlotte, we've done it in Chicago, we've done it in New Orleans, in Los Angeles, in Minneapolis as well. So it's something that we're looking forward to, to doing many more conversations about. But law enforcement is um, a critical part of our society and our communities. Um, and so we need to find a way to heal, heal the rift that exists um, in many places. Um, some of that is, I think, law enforcement looking at some of what they're doing, but some of that I think is also the wider society educating themselves on some good things that law enforcement are doing as well. Great, and uh, obviously fundraising is part of the equation here. What are the other challenges that you foresee your organization facing? Yeah, so I think these conversations are difficult conversations. So I think th that is part of it. Part of it is, you know, really having these conversations in an impactful way and one that allows all groups to be present at the table. And like I said before, to be engaged when they're present at the table. That is truly a challenge. And I think that's, that's truly a, a balance that we need to strike. So that, that for me is, is one of the challenges. And then just, you know, I think 
just being able to grow, right? Because growing, even without the financial resources, I think there are other resources as well that you need. You need people who can facilitate well. You need organizations that we can collaborate with. So it's about growing at sufficient a pace, I think, so that we are achieving our mission, but not extending ourselves too much as well around the programming that we're doing. I love, I love, love, love what you guys are doing. Thank you. It's fantastic. Really uh, Andrew, as you know, I ask everybody who comes on this show one question. Sure. And that question is, what is your biggest helping, that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that question, Dr. Richard. Um, yeah, f- for me, it's, it's about respect. For me, it's about inclusion and recognizing that we all can make a difference in this conversation. You know, for us to think about the perspectives that we come from. Um, and to truly open our hearts and minds to the perspective that others hold. I think if we all approach life in that way, we'd be a much stronger society. Amen to that. Andrew, tell us where people can learn more about RISE and, and contribute. Yeah, absolutely. rise to win.org, R-I-S-E-T-O-W-I-N.org. Um, you can come to our website. We have lots of things on there. We have activities. We have modules. We have videos of some of the programming that we've done. I um, would love for people to come check the websites out and, you know, become involved in some way. Again, it could be financial, but it could be volunteering your time as well. We'd love to have as many folks involved as possible. Give us that URL one more time. Yeah. rise to win.org, R-I-S-E-T-O-W-I-N.org. Perfect. And for, the, for those of you in the car, we got you covered. We will have links to Rise in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Uh, Andrew, this has been great. I love what you're doing. Thank you so much for coming on The Daily Helping. Thanks a lot, Dr. Richard. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And I also wanted to thank each and every one of you who chose to listen to this episode. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 